0: The American Statistical Association, or ASA, was founded in 1839 in Boston and is the second oldest continuously running professional organization in the U.S. Today more than 19,000 people are members of the ASA. As it marks its 180th anniversary, it's also preparing for the tenure of a new president, and that's the focus of today's episode of Stats and Stories recorded in front of a live audience for the very first time in the Schreiber Center at Miami University. Hey! I'm Rosemary Pennington, and we're in Shriver to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Miami University's Department of Statistics. The podcast is is a production production of the Stats Department and the Department of Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me in Shriver Center are regular panelists, John Baylor, the founding and current chair of Miami Statistics Department, and Richard Campbell, former and founding chair of Media, Journalism, and Film. Our guest today is Wendy Martinez, the incoming president of ASA. Martinez. is the Director of the Mathematical Statistics Research Center at the Bureau of Labor Statistics and a return guest to Stats and Stories. She's here today to talk about her agenda as ASA President. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Now, I know presidents when they come in sort of focus on three initiatives. Could you talk a bit about what your three initiatives are
1: going to be as you move into the leadership of ASA? Yes, I'd be happy to. But I'd like to change it up a little bit. I'm going to start off with a question. For oh,
0: man.
1: For <laughs> I hate when this happens. John, yes. you did not prepare me for this situation. I, uh, well, well I'm, I'm actually going to ask John. So. Okay. Um, <laughs> So it's true, right, that you're the pres- current president of ISI, right? The Institute yes. the of. The
2: International Statistical International. Institute. That's correct.
1: Okay, so does that society have um, initiatives like the uh, ASA has?
2: Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that wasn't really a monologue, so yeah, that's no, good.
2: <laughs> I, 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 and you know the other thing that's deadly on a podcast is if you just answer with one word. That's the yeah. worst possible response. So with within the ISI we have a we have strategic priorities and we're talking about some things that we might be working towards and uh, we're, one of the things that we're considering is, and we're looking to push forward, next year is gonna be the 200th anniversary of the birth of Florence Nightingale. And one, one aspect of that that ISI is going to, to be rolling out, and, with, and I hope with partnership with friends like at ASA and the Royal Stat Society and others, is the International Year for Women in Statistics and Data Science. And we're gonna hopefully bring roll this out at, the, uh, at uh, Florence's birthday, you know, mark your calendars, and then have it culminate at the uh, World Statistics Congress in 2021 in The Hague. So thanks for that plug.
1: Thank, thank you. I'm very excited about that, um, especially visiting The Hague. That's going to be beautiful. Uh, my, I also have another question. I'm sorry, John.
2: <laughs> she just hijacked our show. You know, <laughs> we, we bring her here. We've never yeah. had this
0: happen this is, before. This is, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, be, well, this is, uh, this is something that I've been actually thinking about. And it does pertain to uh, ASA initiatives. Uh, traditionally, they're called the, the ASA President's Initiatives. But I mean you've been involved with the ASA for many years and I've been thinking that it really shouldn't be called ASA president initiatives it should just be initiatives for our association uh, itself because I sort of feel that if it's you know my initiatives then you know they're here and then they're gone and you know I'd like to see these things stay they mean a lot to me <laughs> but uh, I just was wondering what you thought about that
2: I, I- I think that's brilliant. I mean, I think that the idea is that it, you want sustainability in anything you invest in. I mean, you know, we're, we're here celebrating the 10th anniversary of, of my department coming into existence. That's part of where we're doing this live, live recording. I, my, my dream is for this to, you know, there to be a 25th anniversary that maybe I'll come back to. You know, that, that's the kind of hopes that we have for the future. And I think that within the initiatives that you're talking about within the ASA, that you're setting a precedent that's going to continue on. Or, or maybe not setting precedent, but inheriting kind of efforts that are already important within, your, within the society. So I think that's, that's, a, that's a great idea.
1: Thank you, because I, I sort of feel that if it's just like, you know, the president's initiatives are my initiatives, then uh, I don't know, they're they're not going to continue or there won't be this, this strong foundation for them. So I just would like to, that they are initiatives for our profession as well as our association. So, is this where I do the monologue now? Well, no. Yeah, yeah, I think that's you, the Do you wanted to ask the question again? <laughs> what no, no, are no, your no. initiatives?
0: Or what would you like ASA's initiatives be, to be while you're in office? Yes, Ooh, thank I you. Like that.
1: I like that too, thank you. Uh, well, I do have three of them, as uh, I guess Rosemary first mentioned. Um, so the first one I'm gonna talk about is probably the one that's the most vague, I guess, or high level, I, I should say, Uh, And so I'm just calling that K through 12. Uh, So the ASA, I think, has had uh, kind of a long history at supporting uh, efforts for graduate school education, undergraduate school, uh, and even high school. Uh, but I think it's uh, really important that we, you know, feed the pipeline. And so I think uh, what I want to concentrate on are the uh, younger ages. So even so, I'm really focusing on hoping we will focus on K through 6. Because hmm. uh, I, I was talking to somebody earlier today about, uh, you know, getting kids excited about data and statistics and mathematics at a really young age. Um, and then hopefully by the time they get to college, they're no longer scared of it, so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I would uh, I would argue that uh, this is a good place to focus. Uh, in years of advising um, media journalism and film students, and particularly journalism students, I always have encouraged them to take a statistics course. We should be requiring it. We don't yet. Um, hmm but most of our students do take a statistics course, but they are, many of them are, don't wanna do that. And uh, partly, one of the things that's discouraging to me is how few of them have had a statistics course in high school. As a former high school English teacher, um, you know, I I would say maybe 10% of them have had a statistics course, and when that happens, they're they they're glad to go into it and take a statistics course in college because it's not something that they're scared of. So I think the initiative should be on on the younger student and getting students prepared to take a statistics course and go in that direction in in college.
2: So who do you think who's leading this for you?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I say that's the the one that's less defined, less well defined of, of all of them. So. We don't really have uh, one person yet to, um, to lead it. Are you volunteering? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but I, you know, I, I can tell you, one of the things that we've done at Miami, and I'm looking out and I see my colleague Lynette Hudeberg here, is she's is uh, she's been one of, very much involved in our careers involving quantitative skills mm-hmm. effort, which is an attempt basically to reach out to high school women to try to encourage them to consider any kind of career that would involve quantitative skills, not just not just stat. So I think there, there are some good energy, and I've, we've heard about the Florence Nightingale days that have mm-hmm. occurred, and so there, there are some initiatives that are trying to do that, I, I'm just, I'm interested to see how this might build and interact with
1: that. Yeah, I do have one um, sort of wacky idea, uh, which is to um, create a, a game or an app that uh, would sort of introduce the ideas of, of statistics and, you know, handling data. Uh, and then maybe get kids sort of excited about it and used to it in a less, I guess, threatening way <laughs> or exciting and fun way. Uh, and we do have some volunteers for that, uh, and so we're looking for more. I, I'm not creative enough to develop them myself. but there,
2: there are some, I think, that are being done in Europe. So, oh, really? Yeah, there's yeah. some of the uh, official statistics in Europe uh, are, are doing some of these types of activities, and we can... I might be able to find some of those names.
1: OK, okay. Thank you. fantastic. Thank
3: I you. tell my uh, students um, that, that, this, that their children, and this is very sad for me, will not grow up reading newspapers. <laughs> and uh, they will grow up on tablets and smartphones. And so anything that you can do to introduce uh, mm-hmm. numbers to, to, to kids at an early age. I already see my own five-year-old grandson manipulating his smartphone, and he loves playing any kind of game on it, so that's your target audience.
1: Oh, yes, and, and I think kids at that age, I mean, I, I personally believe that they are able to, to, uh, you know, appreciate, maybe not at the level we are, (laughs) appreciate it, but, but, you know, have fun with data, and, um, one of the, so I used to teach at a, uh, business school, you know, undergraduate, and they had to take one uh, intro class, and that was the last class most of them would take. That's kind of what you're saying, Richard, that, and I would argue that that's probably the first class they should take, Hmm. Uh, and it was always uh, pretty sad that they didn't, because they would have gained those skills that they needed to be successful. It
0: seems like part of the the K through 6 push is kind of centered around the idea of making statistical knowledge accessible so i, I want to ask about i know one of your other initiatives is also to have a ted talk of some kind take yes. place
1: could you explain a little bit about that um yeah so i uh, i've uh i, I kind of got interested in ted listening to ted talks and I, I came to realize that they can be very influential in uh sort of strange ways uh, and just it, influential on an individual level so uh I, I think that there's a lack of appreciation, maybe, or a lack of understanding about statistics and data science and how that impacts our world. And so, I think uh, having something you know, like a, a TED Talk or a TEDx event um, will help, you know, help us to, uh, you know, help the world understand or, you know, what what uh, statisticians are doing.
3: Well, I would, I would. Uh, I would Encourage all statistician people people with doing numbers do a TED talk (laughs) First of all to learn how to sort of communicate what you're what you're doing to a more general audience Mm -hmm. but I also found Charles does a lot of our research and Whenever he can find a TED talk that a statistician or a data scientist has done That's all I need to prepare for this podcast. So just for my sake you prepare (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, especially
3: especially if there's a TED talk I can look to, I get all my questions, and uh, and then I also find I learn something about the person that we're going to be interviewing, who I often you know have never met, and we do most of these I think uh, not in person, so so I'm for this.
1: Well, I did see a TED talk once where the person analyzed TED talks to see. Which ones, you know, what were the characteristics that made a successful TED Talk? And uh, Eric no. Labor at uh, NC State. So right. the plan is to have it uh, in October of 2020 and sort of hmm. around uh, Florence Nightingale uh, Day. It won't be, uh, you know, like exactly that, but around that same time, so... You're listening to Stats and Stories, and today
0: we're live at Shriver Center at Miami University uh, talking with ASA's President-Elect, Wendy Martinez. Can we ask about your third prong? So We've talked about the K-through-6 efforts that you'd like to see uh, happen and the TEDx uh, possibility of an event. So again, this idea of making statistical knowledge accessible, could you talk a bit about what the third initiative is for you?
1: Yes. That one's uh, very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> so the past uh, presidents, ever since Barry Newsbaum, uh well, probably earlier, but anyway, he, um, st- he kind of focused on diversity, and his, he was interested in having more participation uh, by the uh, Asian community, I guess I'll say. Uh, and then um, Lissa LaVange, in her leadership uh, initiative, uh, she was kind of focusing on... On diversity there also. And current president, Karen Cafedar, she's uh, focusing on uh, uh, Hispanics and Native Americans. Um, but I guess it started when I was really preparing my candidate statement for uh, to run for president. And somebody, had, I think it was Swarthmore, am I saying that right? Swarthmore? Okay. Anyway, she was saying, well, we really need to uh, have, be more inclusive uh, with the diversity that we have of students today, and especially uh, LGBTQ. And so I thought, oh, that's that's true. <laughs> you know? And so uh, a year ago, 2018, I was at the Women in Statistics and Data Science Conference, another ASA conference. And uh, Suzanne Thornton had a, a, ses- a panel session on, um, you know, LGBTQ statisticians and how, you know, how it is to, uh, you know, be one, and what are some of the issues that have to be dealt with. So I was asked to moderate the, or be chair of the panel, I guess, and so that was a, that was an eye-opener for me. Um, I I really learned, learned a lot there. So, uh, I'm sorry for this monologue. No, this is is great. Um, But so anyway, so the that sort of just started things, um, started things going, and we we kept the conversation going after that panel, and it and uh, we had a article in Significance magazine in June of 2019, uh, and so this is my one of my initiatives, or of one of the ASA initiatives, <laughs> which is to be uh, inclusive, and I. I've, I really want to call it uh, inclusion rather than diversity, because um, I think it's important that we make everybody feel welcome and uh, that we're there in a way that they need us to be.
3: You talked, uh, I think, in your notes to us about some of the things that you were going to talk about making uh, (laughs) statistics courses the approach to the more comfortable and less intimidating, which I think a lot of students mm-hmm. have that fear before they even walk into the classroom. And maybe this is something the audience has ideas about later on, but can you, can you give a couple of examples just off the top of your head of how you would do that?
1: Well, I'll have to steal one from Jack Miller, <laughs> another Miami University graduate. Uh, they are on the, uh, one of the, so this, this initiative is actually going very well already, and we do have a working group uh, that's tackling some of these issues, um, and Jack is now the chair of the uh, ASA committee that's dealing with some of these issues. Um, but he wrote, along with, I forget the co-author, but an article that was in the Amstead News about... Uh, how ge- the idea of gender is dealt with in um, the classroom, and that usually it's considered to be a binary, you know, variable, but uh, that's not necessarily true. Right? <laughs> and so that's another—that's been another uh, kind of eye opener for me too that I'd never realized that because when I would teach, you know, baby stats or something, I'd say, "Oh, well, this is a binary variable. You know, it could be male or female," and that's Not really the case, so that's one way. Mm -hmm.
0: I think we're going to open things up to the audience now. Our producer, Charles Blades, is going to be uh, moving about the audience uh, with a microphone if you have questions for Wendy. Hello. Um, Okay, so as a uh, practicing data scientist uh, and someone who's interested in inclusion and sort of developing in that direction, What sort of thoughts do you have for things that people who are in the workforce just sort of cranking along? Things that they can do to sort of push that mission forward?
1: Well, I've actually been thinking about this a little bit, and I welcome any ideas that that you might have. But um, so I work for the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is a federal agency. and One of the things we can do there is to create what they call, at least in my agency, they call affinity groups. And So I think maybe that's one way to, um, if you, you create these groups, this might be a way for people to kind of come together, but then also uh, learn because that's one thing I've learned by, uh, you know, working with um, the LGBTQ inclusion is that some of the, the issues that have to that have to be dealt with or should be dealt with don't always have to be done by people in that community, right? It could, So, there's allies, right? And and allies not just with LGBTQ, but maybe uh, African American or, you know, whatever group it is. You know, you don't have to be necessarily in that group. You could be an ally of that group. And so, I think, you know, finding ways that you could help facilitate that would be Hi, I'm Jack Miller.
4: Uh, my co-author was uh, Joe Harden on that <laughs> article. Okay. But to address the, the question about diversity and inclusion, one of the things, so it's it, I feel very fortunate in terms of working on the LGBTQ plus uh, initiative that Wendy has. Uh, but something that we're doing is uh, our committee, so the committee currently now known as the, and this is going to be on a recording, the LGBT, <laughs> the LGBT concerns committee, but we're trying to change that to hopefully LGBTQ adv- uh, plus advocacy. So we're looking at advocacy. And so in addition to allies, something that was talked about at the Women in Statistics and Data Science Conference is how can you be an advocate for other groups? So I may may be a member of um, the LGBTQ plus community, but, uh, but I am also a white individual, so how can I be an advocate for people of color? How can I be an advocate not identifying as a woman? How can I be an, ad- an advocate for women? And so I would invite folks who are interested in it. We are going to have a an ASA community, so join ASA if you're not already a member, <laughs> uh, an ASA community that's a Friends of the LGBTQ uh, Committee. And then also, I was just talking to Dionne Swift, who is the current chair of the Committee on Minorities and Statistics. We are working with some other folks uh, committee on Women and Statistics, to set up uh, with some folks at ASA to try to get a diversity and, and inclusion interest group. So that would also be getting towards those affinity group ideas.
1: Yeah, thank you. And also, the, the, I don't think we mentioned ally training. So how can, um, how can you learn how to be you know, a better ally for whatever group it is?
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm John Skillings. On your uh, K-6 through six initiative uh, with STAT in the elementary grades, have you thought about working with the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics? That might be a nice way to get some traction on the project.
1: Thank you. I think we, uh, we've talked about uh, working with, with several of the, the associations. Donna Lalonde at, at uh, ASA has some really good connections with uh, some of the others, and the teacher associations too, yeah. Uh,
4: hi there. I'm uh, oh gosh, that's loud. Um, I'm Sam, I'm a, uh, I'm a freshman here at Miami. Um, and I've, I really enjoyed listening to uh, your efforts on the uh, K-6 to and beyond oh, uh, initiative you. with, with uh, stats. Um, from the high school I came from, uh, I was really lucky to actually be able to take statistics. Um, a lot of the high schools in my area didn't have it, and really unfortunately, really the only people that took that were the people that said, I don't want to do calc later on. Uh. Um, so with that in mind, how how do you think the school environment, my age demographic, would change if more people were statistically literate.
1: Well, I guess I would like. That's a really good question. I, I would hope that that maybe the the different um, courses would potentially add more of that that type of um, examples or training uh, into their courses. So, say for physics or uh, chemistry or what have you, that you know there would be maybe more of an emphasis on that, so that. People could understand how, or maybe appreciate how, um, statistics and analyzing data are just, uh, you know, can be used in so many different um, applications and disciplines so that it's not something to be scared of. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to take statistics. And uh, earlier this morning, there was a a young lady who just graduated from Miami—I forgot her name—but she's Is that uh, here? yeah, Bree. Bree, yeah, and she she had taken, I guess, statistics at her high school, and she came here knowing that that's what she wanted to major in, which I thought, wow, that's really uh, amazing because it used to be, I guess, in my day, whatever that was. <laughs> it was mine too? Yeah, that there uh, really wasn't this kind of traditional statistics degree or, or something, but now, you know, there, there's, and, for, and that, for example, that a lot of the folks that I would say are statisticians, you know, got degrees in astronomy or physics or engineering or something, but not in statistics. So, I, I, I think it's fantastic that, um, you know, that there's classes like that at, at a younger age, so. So, one,
2: one question about the K-6 sort of follow-up, have, when I think you're reaching via the apps or some of the other tools that you might build, but it also seems like it's really critically important to, to have maybe this pre-service connection to, to schools of education and teacher training and possibly some in-service activities. And I, I know we have we have been challenged at times to try to build some in-service activities and to get the kind of interest, the kind of traction that me, we might like. So, so, are you thinking at all about how do you get some of the... Teachers and train you know early on in their preparation to be element you know the K to six teachers involved.
1: I think so. One of the things I, I feel a little bit sensitive about is that so I'm not a teacher. Well, I'm not a high school teacher, and I don't teach at the university anymore. But uh, so sometimes if if I'm kind of on the outside looking in and saying oh you know you should be doing all these things, and then really what I'm just doing is imposing an extra burden on yeah. on the teachers. So. I want to be sensitive to what you know, what they really need and what would would benefit them. Um, but you mentioned something about service. I don't know if that's exactly what you meant. But so the theme for the um, the joint statistical meetings we always have a theme for the conference. And in the uh, the JSM for the in 2020, it's uh, everybody counts data for the public good. Do I have that right? Okay. <laughs> Which was in part inspired by. Uh, the LGBTQ community that, you know, everybody's important and the idea of inclusion. But anyway, so uh, Donna uh, was, a, at ASA was met with the, well, I think there was several associations, but in particular, uh, she was talking with the AAAS uh, and so maybe making um, some, you know, coordinated efforts to uh, have not the teachers necessarily, but um, young people uh, have experience with um, you know, analyzing data, performing some service, and doing, uh, using data for good. Uh, and so hopefully that's going to be another aspect.
3: The, uh, John, John and I got together on this podcast because we originally were on a committee to start a quantitative literacy requirement here at Miami, which we instituted. <laughs> And, uh, and I know that there are some states, I think Minnesota might be one that have a media literacy requirement in their curriculums. I don't know how many states statewide initiatives there are to have a quantitative literacy um, requirement, but I would I think this is another thing that might be looked at uh, state by state even where you could uh, you could offer these kinds of, uh, uh, of, re- of requirements actually in a a K through six you could start that early and you could do it in high school as well.
0: Um, <laughs> quick note, um, I'm very excited about this K through six. I also think it's probably good to look at the state requirements. Yeah. Both of my sons um, in elementary were learning histograms, oh, right. stem leaf <laughs> plots, and, yeah. and they're starting to learn probability. So it might be good to look at what the states are requiring yep, yes. and see if you can partner with them on
1: that. Excellent. I'm going to have to listen to the podcast so I get all these good ideas. <laughs> well, Wendy, thank you so much for being here today. Thank, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having
0: me. That's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to Stories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net, and be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.